So like Isidora said, we are preaching our way through Paul's letter to the church at Rome. So let's start by kind of stepping back and getting the big picture of what we've covered so far. Here's some pictures. Here's kind of arcs to show you where we've, where we've come. First of all, in chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, Paul introduces himself to the church and then gives a summary of the gospel, 1 through 17, chapter 1. But he wants to go deeper than just a brief summary. And so in chapter 1, verse 18, through chapter 3, verse 20, he helps us understand some sobering truths that we've all sinned against God. We've all turned our backs on our creator. We want to call our own make our own decisions, call the shots ourselves. We turn our back on the creator. That's what the Bible calls sin. So we've all sinned. We face God's judgment in hell forever because of our sin. And there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We're sinners. So we can't be good enough. We're sinners. But the story does not stop there. In chapter 3, verse 21, through chapter 5, verse 21, Paul says that in great mercy... God the Father sent Jesus, his son, to the cross to die, pay for the sins of everyone who will put their trust in him. So the way I summarized it there is through Jesus, we can receive perfect righteousness. Did you know that? The moment you put your trust in Jesus, God, because of what Jesus did, he lived a perfectly sinless life. God counts your undeserving faith as a lifetime of perfect righteousness. You're perfectly righteous before God by faith alone, not by any obedience on our part. Obedience has not kicked in yet. God justifies the ungodly, we read in those verses. So that takes us up through chapter 5, verse 21. Through Jesus, we can receive perfect righteousness, not by works, not by our obedience, but by faith alone. Then in chapter 6, verse 1, through chapter 7, verse 6, and even farther, but that's where we stop today, Paul explains that even though we've been saved by faith alone, we still start obeying because we've died with Christ to sin and we've died with Christ to the law. We've died with Christ to sin in this way. The moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and helps you see and feel that Jesus Christ, who he is, knowing him is a far greater joy than anything else the world offers to you. Far greater joy, including all of sin's joys, far greater joy. And so you die to sin's joys at that point. It's like, I've tasted greater. I'm not turning to that stuff anymore. Now, we don't become sinless, but we, in our hearts, we think, I know the, the emptiness of that. I'm going to keep with Jesus, start obeying him. So that's why we start obeying, because we die to sin. But now in this morning's passage, Paul says, not only did we die to sin, but we also died to the law. Did you know that you died to the law when you put your trust in Christ? What does that mean? And what difference does that make for us today in Abu Dhabi? Let's find out. That's what God wants to teach us this morning. Let's start with this first question. Paul starts off this passage talking about marriage. So let's ask, what is the point of Paul's marriage illustration? 
first four verses. Start with reading verse one. What is the point of Paul's marriage illustration? Look at what he says. Or do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, do you not know that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? So Paul wants us to understand that death changes our relationship with law. Death changes our relationship with law. And he illustrates this in verses 2 and 3 with marriage. Look at what he says. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. God's law calls a husband and wife to be faithful to each other until one of them dies. That's what God's word says. Once one of them dies, the other is free to marry someone else, be joined to someone else, remarry. Now, the Bible says a lot more than just this about the topic of divorce and remarriage, but Paul's point here isn't to teach about marriage. Paul's point is to help us understand that when one spouse dies, the other is free to remarry. That's the principle he wants to have in our minds. When, when one spouse dies, the other is free to marry another. And the reason Paul wants us to get that is he says, there is a sense in which every believer in Christ has experienced that. Verse 4, that's what he says. There's a sense in which this has happened to all of us when we first put our trust in Jesus Christ. Look at what he says in verse 4. Likewise, just what I was just talking to you about marriage, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, be joined to another, marry another, namely to him Jesus, who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. Here's what Paul's saying. Before we were saved, we were belonging to, married to the law, joined to the law. We weren't saved yet. But every human being, before they're saved through Christ, they are joined to the law. We all know deep in our hearts that there is a God and that he has commands. And so we kind of pick and choose and put together what our code of ethics is going to be. We have our list of do's and don'ts. Every human being has, has our list of do's and don'ts. Maybe we're people who give money to charity. That's one of our do's. Or we, we don't lie. That's one of our don'ts. Or we we don't judge other people. That's something we don't do. We care for our family. That's something we do. We forgive people. We love people. We work hard at our job, whatever it might be. Every human being has their list of do's and don'ts. Our hearts belonged to that list of do's and don'ts. That was our focus. That was what we were seeking to pursue. 
but our hearts did not belong to Jesus. They weren't seeking to know God through Jesus. So I just try to picture like this. So over here is knowing God through Jesus. This is why we've all been created. This is what life is all about. This is why God created the universe and every one of us, knowing God through Jesus. This is our life. This is our love. This is what gives us life. That's what it's all about. But we've all turned our backs on that, and we've created our own little list of do's and don'ts. This is how we live. And so we pursue these things so that we can feel better about ourselves. We pursue these things so that we don't feel guilty. We pursue these things so that we can look righteous before other people. We pursue these things. Maybe we can even earn some blessings or some righteousness from God, although the Bible says all that approach to, li- to obeying is wrong. But that's what we do. We're, we're focused on the law in the sense of our list of do's and don'ts. We've kind of handpicked. This is how we're going to live. This is our focus. So our backs are turned to knowing God through Jesus. And we're, we're doing this. We're not doing this. We're doing this. We're not doing this. That's our focus. Now, that way of living is not what God's law told us to do. That's a sinful distortion of God's law. That's our own version of God's law. But that's what we all did. So we belonged to the law in that sense. We belonged to the law as a way to gain self-righteousness, proud self-righteousness. We're feeling better about ourselves. We're not feeling guilty. We're trying to impress other people. We're trying to impress God. All that's wrong. That's what God says in the law, but we've ignored that part of the law and made our own list by which we're pursuing self-righteousness. And we're not joined to Jesus. That's what was true of us before we were saved. So what happened when we were saved? What took place? What's the point of this illustration? Paul wants us to understand that when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, Everything changed. You died with Christ to the law. And just like in marriage, when one spouse dies, the other's free to remarry. So when we died to the law, we turned from our self-righteous list of do's and don'ts. We put our trust in Jesus Christ as our joy as our righteousness, as our life. Knowing God through Jesus is everything for us. That's what happens. And notice how Paul puts this in verse 4. He says that Christ has been raised from the dead. Why does he emphasize that? I think it's because he wants us to understand that when you're joined to Jesus Christ, you're joined to a living being. Jesus Christ is alive today. He's alive. You're joined to the living Jesus, not just joined to an idea or a word in a book, but the living, resurrected Jesus Christ is who you're joined to. You're joined to the forgiving Jesus, to the giving you perfect righteousness Jesus. You're joined to the all-providing Jesus, Jesus, the all-satisfying Jesus, satisfying us in himself, not necessarily what he gives, but in who he is, the all-satisfying Jesus. So you knew Jesus, you loved Jesus, you trusted Jesus, you walked with Jesus, you fellowshiped with Jesus, you were joined to Jesus. You died to the law, your own version of do's and don'ts, 
self-righteous, proud. You died to that, and you're joined to Jesus as your joy and your righteousness. That's what happened when you were saved. So that's the point of the analogy. Because we died with Christ to the law, we are now joined to Christ. That's what he's talking about. All saved people have died to the law. But now this raises a second question. Very important to raise this. Exactly what aspect of the law did we die to? Because you could hear you died to the law and think, well, wow, that, I mean, that must mean that all of the Old Testament commands and all the New Testament commands, the New, Te- New Testament interpretation of the Old Testament commands, all those commands are not important for us anymore. We're dead, we're dead to any commands. Freedom, we might think, right? Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. And let me show you why. It's because in the next few verses, Paul says just the opposite. Look at what he says in chapter 7, verse 12. He says, so the law is holy. The law is holy. And the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Think about that. So the law is holy and righteous and good, which means we we want that. We need that. That's important to us. Look at how Paul puts it. In Romans chapter 7, verse 22, a few verses later, Paul says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Now think about that. Even though Paul had died to the law, he delighted in the law. What's going on here? What's Paul doing? He delighted in the law. Then look at one more passage, Romans 13, a few chapters later. Verses 8 and 9, and notice how Paul focuses here on the law and on the commands, the importance of them. Look at what he says. Verse 8, Romans 13. He says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. It's important to fulfill the law, Paul says. Verse 9, for the commandments... You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I hope you can see from those three scriptures that dying to the law does not mean we stop thinking the law is important. We, we don't die to the law as a guide to God's will. God's law, Old Testament commands, as interpreted by New Testament commands, God's law is the way we know God's will, and we need to know God's will. He created us. He made us. How do we live? What's right? What's wrong? What's going to be life-giving to me? That's the point of God's command. So we need God's law as a guide to his will. It's like we need his law as a map. Think about it that way. We don't die to God's law as our map. Here's where we're going. Okay? We, don't, we don't die to God's law in that way. We want to know God's will. We need to know God's will. So how did we die to the law? What aspect of the law 
did we die to? Paul tells us in verses 5 and 6. I've already hinted at it in the way I described what it meant that we were joined to the law, but I want to show you explicitly in verses 5 and 6. In these verses, Paul describes our life before we were saved, while we were still married to the, to the law, following our own version of, of do's and don'ts, kind of creating our own version of God's commands as a way to gain self-righteousness before ourselves, before others, and, and we thought maybe even before God. So Paul tells us what we were like before, and he tells us what happened when God saved us. So start with verse 5. Here's what we were like before we were saved. Here's what was happening. Verse 5, for while we were living in the flesh, before we were saved, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Now, what does that mean? What was going on before we were saved? Some people think, some commentators, and they have their reasons for this, they think that what Paul is saying here is that before we were saved, in our sinfulness, we come up against a command like, thou shalt not steal, and sinful passions would rise up in our hearts, pride and rebellion, I'm going to go ahead and steal anyway, and we would, we would start stealing. Okay, And we know that does happen to all of us, right? you got your list of do's and don'ts, and there's times where you just say, phooey on that. I'm just going to go be bad, right? That has happened. Did, does that happen? I'm not the only one, right? Help me here. Okay. So we know that does happen. That may be what Paul is saying here, but I, I don't think so because of the way he describes this in verse 6. Notice how he puts the exact same scenario in different words in verse 6. He says, but now, we've been saved, we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. Well, if the law is holding us captive, it doesn't sound like Paul's focusing on, phooey on it, I'm just going to go sin. It's holding us captive. That's what his focus is here. Somehow the law is holding us captive, and what that means is, next phrase, so that we serve now, we're no longer held captive, now we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way. We don't serve the law anymore in the old way of the written code. So what is Paul saying? See if this makes sense. You, you keep thinking about this. You study this. This is not easy. This is what I believe Paul's saying here. He's saying that before we were saved, we were joined to the law, just like we said. Our, our list of do's and don'ts. And our sinful passions rose up regarding that law, not wanting us to, to break it, but in pride, thinking we're going to look good if we do these things. We're going to really be impressive. We look good to ourselves, look good to others, maybe even look good to God, earn some blessings from God, earn some righteousness before God, as if sinful people could earn any righteousness from God. That, that's, that was the sinful passion that rose up, pride and self-righteousness. That's what we did. So it wasn't, it wasn't a sudden desire to, I'm going to go steal something, but it was like, I'm going to really impress people with my spirituality. I'm going to really work hard at my job. Everybody's going to applaud me. I'm going to give money to the poor. Maybe God's going to, like, he's going to earn something from God. All that self-righteous pride earning stuff, which the law says is wrong. We ignored those parts of the law and created our own version. 
In other words, before we were saved, we were not obeying in the new way of the Spirit. We were obeying in the old way of the written code. I mean, think about it. Before you were saved, you were not experiencing the Holy Spirit's work. What did the Holy Spirit, what does he do for believers? He humbles us before the cross. No more pride, no more seeking self-righteousness. I'm just, I'm a saved sinner. I'm a sinner, but I'm saved through the cross. He humbles us before the cross. Did any of us experience that before we were saved? No. The Holy Spirit chose us. We can't do anything to earn salvation from God. Oh, get off that treadmill. That's man-made religion. Thinking you can do certain things and you'll get enough so that you finally merit or deserve or earn salvation. That's human religion. It's false. We cannot do that. And the Holy Spirit helps us see that and feel that. The Holy Spirit reminds us that apart from God's grace, I'm no, no better than anybody else. Humbling. Stop trying to impress other people with, with my righteousness, my spirituality, whatever. And the Holy Spirit gives us such love for Jesus that we want to obey him. We want to walk with him in the path of obedience. There's nothing better than being with the living, resurrected Jesus, and that's the path of obedience. I want to keep walking that path to keep walking with him. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts, and before we were saved, we experienced none of that because we weren't saved. We can only get the precious Holy Spirit through trusting what Jesus did on the cross. So we were obeying our version of do's and don'ts. We were obeying our version of God's law as a written code. Something didn't change our sinful hearts, didn't give us any desire for God, but just gave us duties to fulfill. I, I ought to do this. This is the right thing to do. I, I'll feel better if I do it. I won't feel guilty anymore. I might even feel a little proud. Other people might see it. That'd be impressive. God might even give me something I think I've deserved. That's obeying the law as a written code instead of the new way of the spirit. So that's the aspect of the law that we died to. We didn't die, we did not die to the law as a way to know God's will, as a map. We didn't die to God's law as a map. We did die to God's law as a way to attain self-righteousness, proud self-righteousness. We died to that aspect of the law, which the law itself condemns, but we wanted that. We kind of put that on it. We created that. We died to that aspect of the law. So I kind of thought, of, see if this helps. Kids, see if this helps you. So we don't die to the law as a map, but we die to the law as a balloon. Why a balloon? Pride grows, 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 grows. We didn't die to the law as a map, but we did die to the law as a balloon. Take out that needle and pop it, okay? That's gone. We're not pursuing self-righteousness anymore, proud self-righteousness. We died to that. We do still love and cherish God's word as a map for God's will, to discern God's will. That's what we died to. And the moment you put your trust in Jesus, you died to that aspect of the law. Picture it like this. Some of us think of our lives before we were saved as having two parts. One part is 
This is the part where I was sinning against God, clearly disobeying his commands. Okay, we all know we, we did have that part, right? But then we thought there's this other part that we have where we were obeying God's commands. This is what we think maybe our lives were like. And that when we were saved, Jesus said, well, this, this part's fine. We got to clean up this part over here. I hope you see from what Paul's saying here, that's not the right picture. Before we were saved, we did have part of our lives where we were clearly disobeying God's commands, stealing, you know, being jealous, whatever. We're clearly disobeying God's commands. But also we had part of our life, what? Where we were pursuing God's commands to gain self-righteousness, proudly trying to earn merit from God, trying to impress other people, trying to impress ourselves. And that also needs to be cleaned up. That's why Paul says in Romans 6 and 7, we died with Christ to sin, this part over here, and we died with Christ to the law, this part over here, the balloon part of the law. Are, is this making sense? Let me just try one more time. We used to think, I used to think, maybe you did too, that my life before I was saved had two parts, the part where I was clearly disobeying God's law and the part where I was obeying God's law. Did some bad things, did some good things, when, I, when Jesus saves us, he just focuses on this part. This part over here is fine. Paul's saying, no, this part is wrong. Clearly disobeying God's commands, that's wrong. But also the way we were obeying was wrong. The old way of the written code, not the new way of the spirit. Proud self-righteousness, that's wrong. So we have to die with Christ to sin, that part over here. And we have to die with Christ to the law also, that part here. The whole thing needs to be revamped. Just cleared away and start brand new fresh. Even our obedience gets transformed. Did you know that? Oh, this is good news. This is such good news. Okay, where am I? Let's see. Yeah. I, I, here's why this is so important. As I was just thinking about this and praying over this this week and saying, Lord, what is, what is your burden for us as a church? What do we need to hear from this? One thought that came to me is that sadly, I, I think probably every evangelical church um, that preaches the gospel, that lifts up Jesus, that opens up the Bible, I think probably every evangelical church has some people in it who have not died to the law. They've not died to the law. They've not died to the law so that they can be joined to Jesus as their joy and their righteousness. Their focus is still here. This list of do's and don'ts. This is their Christianity. This is their spirituality. I don't do these things, and I do do these things over here. And, I, and I'm doing these things because I'll feel better about myself. I won't feel guilty anymore might be impressive to other people around me. Maybe I'll earn some blessings from God, earn some, you know, maybe I'll earn salvation through this possibly. So this person is trying to be patient, goes to church regularly, tries to be good, but they've not been joined to the resurrected and living and glorious Jesus. They're just joined to this list of do's and don'ts. That's their Christianity. Jesus is over here. Glorious, beautiful, alive, resurrected. They're focused on their list of do's and don'ts. Don't let that be you. 
Don't let that be you. So important. Are you joined to Jesus? Are you joined to the resurrected living Jesus? Are you trusting him as your righteousness? His sinless life, his death on the cross. May it be, never be that I boast in anything except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll boast in him alone. Nothing. I can't boast in anything myself. Are you joined to Christ? Do you admit that in yourself, you're no better than anybody else? Right? Apart from the grace of God, there go I. Do you live humbly before the cross? Is Jesus your hope? Is he your life? Is he your joy? Is he your righteousness? Is he your everything? Knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, walking with Jesus. Can you say with Paul, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. Bring it. Is that where your heart is? Are you joined to Jesus? Don't be deceived. Don't think your Christianity is supposed to be a a list of do's and don'ts, which is the sum and substance of it. Yes, we have the map, right? There are some things we should do and some things we should not do, right? But what we're joined to is Jesus. He's what gives life to that. He's what frees us to pursue that. He's what satisfies us in that. He's what humbles himself as we pursue that. Have you died to the law with Christ? Are you joined to Jesus? So one last question. How do we obey in the new way of the Spirit? This is really important. All of us, I trust, are seeking to obey Christ this coming week, and you will either be obeying him the new way of the Spirit or the old way of the written code. One or the other. How are you obeying Christ? How do we obey in the new way of the Spirit? Look at verse 6 again so you can see how important this is. Paul says, but now we are released from the law. The law is a, is a balloon, right? Self-righteousness, pride. Now we're released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. How do we obey in the new way of the Spirit? Let's just take an example. Uh, let's take Bible reading as an example. Bible reading. We all know God's map, His Word, calls us to meditate on God's Word, to read God's Word, to be learning God's Word, to, to meet Jesus in the Word of God. Right? Meditate on God's word day and night. We, we know that's what God wants. He wants us to have a rhythm in our lives of regular intake of God's word to meet the living Jesus in the truths of the scriptures. That's crucial for us. That's what God wants. But do we do this in the new way of the spirit or in the old way of the written code? That's the question. To answer that, think about your heart. There are times for all of us when we would really rather check your email than read the Bible. Or you'd rather look at what's happening on Instagram 
than read the Bible, or you'd rather check out sports news than read the Bible, right? That's true in all of our hearts. There's times when that's what's going on in our hearts. And when that happens, the danger is we can try to obey in the old way of just the written code. So what that means is here you are, and here's the written code, read the Bible, that's all there is, just you and your willpower and this written code. Okay, so it's my willpower, gritting my teeth, it's this duty, I should do this, I, I ought to do this. And when we just do the old way of the written code, we will do things like, I'm just going to read it just because I won't feel guilty if I've read it. Then I get on, on to what I want to do, right? Wrong. It's not how God wants. That's the old way of the written code. Or we can read it just so that maybe I'll, I'll, I'll impress other people with my Bible knowledge, or I'll, I'll just read a little assigned portion so I can check off my box and get on to, like, check out the sports news, or I'll read it because then maybe God will give me some, I've earned some extra blessing from him today. I'll, maybe I'll you know, pile up some more righteousness towards salvation through what I'm doing. So that's all written code. You and this command and your willpower trying to find things that will motivate you to do this. And it's death. It's not Christianity. It's death. Jesus is over here, knowing God through Jesus. And here's you in this written code. That's all there is. And obeying that way is sin. That's not how we live anymore. We've died to the law as a balloon. We've died to the law as a prideful way to pursue self-righteousness. So what should we do when our hearts aren't desiring to read the scriptures, for example? We should obey in the new way of the Spirit. That's what we should do. We should understand that the Holy Spirit has been given to us through faith in Christ. And the Holy Spirit can change my heart right now. He can change my heart. So I desire meeting Jesus in the scriptures more than anything else. He can change my heart. It's not changed right yet, but he, he can change my heart. So what do you do? Well, here's what I do. I pray. I ask God to forgive me for the fact that I'm desiring these other things more than meeting him in the scriptures. Please forgive me through Jesus. I confess that to him. It's important. Then I ask him to pour out his Holy Spirit upon me and change my heart. So I'm, I'm seeing things clearly once again. Set, I'm set free from this deceptions around me, thinking that's going to satisfy me more. Change my heart so I, I'm, I'm in sync with what's reality. And then I remind myself that the sword that the Spirit uses. What's the sword of the Spirit? Who remembers? It's the Word of God. That's the sword that the Spirit uses to destroy sinful desires. So I'll, I'll just start to remind myself of some scriptures about the scriptures. Like John 15, 11, Jesus says, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy in the Father will be in you, and that your joy will be full. <laughs> that's what I want. Is that what you want? I want Jesus' joy in the Father. Oh, he had joy in the Father. And I want that joy to be full. And Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy in the Father will be in you and that your joy will be full. 
That sounds pretty good. And it's through thinking about what Jesus spoke through his words, which is the whole scriptures. John 8, 32, Jesus also said, if you meditate on the scriptures, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free from sin. I, I mean, I'm wanting this more than meeting Jesus in the scriptures. I'm wanting this more than that. I've got sin in me. I need to be set free. Come and set me free. And then I thought of Psalm 119, 72. I love this one. That God's word is more precious than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Whoa, that's precious. Okay, I'm not feeling that now. Help me, help me. So here's the sword of the spirit. Start slashing away, right? Cut this, just cut up those sinful things. Bring me new life in the spirit. And so I pray. And here's, here's, you've experienced this. As you're praying over the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will use the word of God to change your heart. You will start to experience your desires changing. You will start to have your desire for meeting Jesus in the scriptures increasing. And life will come. Joy will come. Desire will change. And you'll want to read the scriptures. It's not just something you do out of duty or because you're supposed to or so you won't feel guilty. It's your life. And the Holy Spirit will change your heart. That's how we obey in the new way of the Spirit instead of the old way of just you gritting your teeth with the written code, trying to force yourself to do it. That's the difference. That's how saved people obey. Is that how you're obeying? If it hasn't been how you're obeying, this is really good news. This is really good news. It's not just you and your willpower and the written code. Oh, I've got to try to do this. This is good news. It's you and God's word and the Holy Spirit who will change your heart, empower you, free you, give you life as you're obeying. So, oh, stop obeying in the old way of the written code and start obeying in the new way of the spirit. Now we encourage each other to do this in our small men's discipleship groups, small women's discipleship groups. We call them DNA groups, discipleship, nurture, accountability. We, we, we talk about these things in our home groups as we share heart burdens and pray for each other. You can do this on your own, but this is what we want to be encouraging each other to do here at Grace Church. Grace Church, we want to be a church where we all are experiencing what it means to die to the law as a means of prideful self-righteousness. And we are obeying Christ, not the old way of the written code, but the new way of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're longing for. Let's pursue that. Now, let me close with two takeaways. Very simple. First is this. Because you're trusting Jesus, obey in the new way of the Spirit. See, because you're trusting Jesus, you've died to the law in its aspect of you're thinking you can be proud and self-righteous and all that, earning from God. Don't obey in the old way of the letter. Stop obeying in that way. Don't settle for just duty or gritting your teeth. Don't settle for trying to impress others. Don't think you can earn anything from God. You cannot. 
Seek the Spirit's work of changing your heart, freeing you, changing you, giving you life so that obedience is a joy and it's life-giving. Now, I should just little parenthesis here. I hope I didn't make that living the new way of the Spirit sound too easy. Did I make it sound easy? If I did, it can be a war, right? It can be a battle of opening up the Scriptures, preaching the Word of God to yourself, fighting. It, it, it's, it can take effort. I'm not talking about easy. Living the new way of the Spirit is not easy. Paul talks about the fight of faith. It's a fight, but there is life in it. There is freedom in it. There is power that will come as we pursue it. So because you're trusting Jesus, obey in the new way of the Spirit. That's the first takeaway. And then second is this. If you're not trusting Jesus, we are really glad you're here this morning. Thank you for coming and visiting us. And if you're not trusting Jesus, I want to urge you to trust him. Trust him today as your joy, as your life, as your righteousness, as your forgiveness. Trust him. When you do, you will be completely forgiven for all of your sin. You'll be covered. Your remaining sin will be covered with his perfect righteousness, a lifetime's worth of perfect righteousness. When you do, you will die to the law and be joined to the resurrected living Jesus who loves you and who cares for you and who will satisfy you in himself now and forever. You'll be joined to him. And that's life. And that's why we're here. Let's stand together and pray. Father, I pray that you would give us clear insight into what is happening in our Christian lives, that we could see clearly, are we living in the new way of the Spirit or are we settling for the old way of the written code? Lord, I pray that every believer here would see that in Christ they have died to the law. The law is a way of pursuing proud self-righteousness. We've, we've all died to that. We now are joined to you, Jesus Christ, living Jesus. Strengthen us in this, I pray. I ask that obedience this week would be transformed because of Romans 7, 1 through 6. And Lord, I pray for those here who are not yet trusting Christ, that they would see the emptiness of everything else and the fullness that is to be had in Jesus Christ. Save people right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.